Welkom bij de podcast van Arginet. In deze podcast luister je naar één van de genomineerde essays voor de Simon-Marie Pruisprijs voor designkritiek en de Geert Beka-prijs voor architectuurkritiek. Beide zijn een initiatief van designplatform Rotterdam en Arginet. Het essay wordt voorgelezen door de auteur tijdens het Pruis-Beka-event in Tent Rotterdam op 16 november 2019. Alice Twemlow leest haar essay Conflicting Definitions of Key Terms, an Ecological Protest at the International Design Conference in Aspen, 1970-1971. Zij won hiermee de Simon-Marie Pruisprijs 2019 voor designkritiek. De jury schreef over deze tekst. Dit relevante essay toont overtuigend aan dat designgeschiedenis kan dienen als spiegel van hedendaagse ontwerpvraagstukken. It was a perfect June evening in Aspen, a former silver mining town, 8,000 feet up in the Rockies. As the sun began to dip behind the snow-capped mountains on this first day of the 1970 International Design Conference at Aspen, a group gathered for a cocktail party. The men were dressed in plaid jackets and ties, and their hair, if they still had any, was close-cropped and grey. Their wives wore cocktail dresses, large sunglasses and pearls, and their hair, curled and set, barely moved in the breeze that ruffled the nearby aspen trees. Drinks were set out on the terrace of one of the modernist houses in the Aspen Meadows complex, which was designed by Herbert Bayer. The Austrian emigre and consultant to the Container Corporation of America, who had moved to Aspen in 1946, was there, dapper, in his cravat, suntanned and still handsome at 70. Also sipping gimlets were other board members in charge of the IDCA. Saul Bass, the Los Angeles-based graphic designer. Elliot Noyes, design director at IBM and president of the IDCA since 1965 and George Nelson, design director at the high-end office furniture firm, Herman Miller. These men had been trained as artists and architects, but had helped to define the American graphic and industrial design profession in the, late, in the 1940s and 50s. Their careers had flourished in the post-war period of economic expansion and were tied to the rise of a consumer society. Meanwhile, in the meadow, beyond this midsummer cocktail party for the cognoscenti of modernist American design, a very different scenario was taking shape. Milling about outside a big white concert tent designed by Bayer, where the conference would be held, were student designers and architects, uh, some of their young teachers, and a number of art and environmental groups, or environmental action groups many from Berkeley, California, who had made the thousand-odd-mile journey to Colorado in chartered buses. With their waist-length hair, beards, open-neck shirts, bandanas, and jean jackets, these groups signaled both their adherence to an alternative lifestyle and set of values for which Berkeley was the unofficial capital, and their distance from the largely East Coast conference organizers. So among the groups arriving were members of the San Francisco media collective Ant Farm, 
who by 1970 were well known for their advocacy of a nomadic lifestyle, their use of inflatable structures as a setting for free-form architectural performances, and their experiments with video as, as a vehicle for critique. Since the theme of the conference this year was environment by design, several representatives of environmental action groups were also gathering, invited by Sim van der Rijn, an assistant professor of architecture at the University of California, Berkeley, and founder of the Farallones Institute, a research center for studying environmentally sound building and design and low technology solutions to waste management. Among those also invited by Van der Rijn were Michael Doyle, founder of the Environmental Workshop in San Francisco, the People's Architecture Group, Steve Bayer, the Albuquerque so solar energy enthusiast who founded ZoneWorks and developed many of the housing structures for communes such as Drop City and uh, Manera Nueva, and Cliff Humphrey, founder of Ecology Action, originator of the first drop-off recycling center in the US, whose Berkeley commune, known for smashing and burying cars, had just been featured in a New York Times magazine cover story. The cover image showed Humphrey pushing a bandaged globe in a baby stroller. There was a third group too that was neither at the cocktail party nor among the festival-like gathering in the meadow. This group included Jean Baudrillard, the French philosopher and sociologist, and the architect Jean Aubert. They were members of Utopie, a Paris-based collective of thinkers and architects that between 1966 and 1970 had engaged in radical leftist critique. So here then were three very different tribes, each with its own design principles, conception of what the environment meant in relation to design, and critical methods. To the IDCA board, design was a problem-solving activity in the service of industry, albeit with roots in architecture and the fine arts. In the environmentalists' and students' view, designers needed to claim responsibility for the repercussions of their activities and to understand design in terms of interconnected systems and natural resources. And the French group? Well, they objected to both conceptions. Perceiving the gathering at Aspen to be a Disneyland of environment and design. And indeed, the entire theory of design and environment as constituting a, quote, generalized utopia produced by a capitalist system that assumes the appearance of a second nature in order to survive and perpetuate itself under the pretext of nature, end quote. With such divergent worldviews and reference bases at play, and the prospect of one week in one another's company, an ideological collision of some significance seemed likely. Sure enough, as the June week wore on, tensions mounted between members of the American liberal design establishment and the eclectic assortment of environmentalists, design and, design and architecture students on the one hand, and the French delegation on the other. The new arrivals to the conference were coming from very different places, both ge geographically and ideologically. But in combination, their protests, which became evident during the event, targeted what the dissenters saw as the conference's flimsy grasp of pressing environmental issues, its lack of political engagement, its hubristic belief in design's power to solve social problems, and its outmoded non-participatory formats. 
The critique that materialized at the International Design Conference at Aspen in 1970 epitomized more widespread clashes that took place during the late 60s and early 70s between a counterculture and the dominant regime over such issues as the US government's military intervention in Vietnam, the draft and the civil rights movement. In terms of design discourse, the protests connected with broader challenges to modernist orthodoxies, represented by the work of Italian radical architecture collectives such as Superstudio and UFO. But the ways in which critique was advanced were also under attack. The design establishment, represented by the conference organizers, favored consensus building as a goal of discussion and a lecture format whereby speakers delivered long, non-visual, pre-written papers from a raised stage <laughs> to a seated audience. Noted. Dissenters at the conference, interested in participa participatory formats that could incorporate conflict and agonistic reflection, introduced theatrical performances, games, workshops, and happenings, and confronted the conference organizers directly with a series of resolutions they wanted the attendees to vote on. By favoring physical actions and the spectacle of a public vote, the protesters at Aspen disrupted design criticism itself, which in this period was usually rendered public in its written form. They initiated numerous non-written ephemeral elements, including corridor discussions, Q&A sessions, for what they wore, their attire, body language and gestures, theatrical performances, inflatable structures, parties, picnics, objects, and graphic ephemera. These facets were recorded kaleidoscopically in photographs, a film, and audio recordings of presentations and discussions. In combination, they represent a form of criticism as a spontaneous and performative event which used countercultural activist tactics as a style of action. The protesters were able to confront their targets in person and could register the effects in real time. The multi-pronged internal critique of the conference led to a transformation of its content and structure, not just in 1971, which saw the most emphatic demonstration of response and change, but also in subsequent conferences, at least through the mid-1970s. As such, IDCA 1970 is emblematic of a disruption to, and a paradigm shift in, the established practice and role of design criticism in the post-war era. Thank you very much. Deze podcast werd gemaakt door Inge Jansen in opdracht van Archinet.nl, de community-based website over architectuur en meer. De podcast werd mede mogelijk gemaakt door het nieuwe instituut, het instituut voor debat over en onderzoek naar architectuur, design en digitale cultuur. Op de hoogte blijven kan via de nieuwsbrief op www.hetnieuweinstituut.nl/nieuwsbrief.